Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Memory Machine Podcast, a historical, pop-cultural, anecdotal podcast featured on the Geekiverse Media Network. My name is Nate Lockhart. I'm your host. And today I have with me... Daniel Liggett, or Liggy Smalls, as I'm known. Yes, and if you listened to the previous podcast, you'll know who he is. But just in case you didn't, who are you? Uh, I am a close personal friend of Nate Lockhart's. Mm. We roomed together in college. We have been best friends for many years. Uh, I am also a professional wrestling aficionado. I have appeared on the Geek Talk Wrestling Podcast with Austin Bruner, Bruner 1.0, on a couple of occasions. Yep. So it's it's something I love to talk about, something I'm I'm happy to get into. And you also do a little refereeing on the side. I do. I am a a freelance independent referee. I started... (laughs) What, what a title. Yes. I freelance independent wrestling referee. Um, fun story. My neighbor, um, this could be just for you or this could be for the podcast. But so my neighbor, uh, I saw her walking out of her house and she was also wearing a referee uniform. Uh, and I thought, oh, that's so cool. I'm a referee and mm. she's also a referee. We should talk about it. Uh, my neighbor works at Foot Locker. And I did not know that when I started talking to her. Uh, so that was that was not the best conversation. Oh, boy. Oh, Oops. boy. But well, anyway, you know. I work with independent promotions in the Buffalo slash Western New York area. I started out with a company called Victory One Wrestling mm-hmm. uh, with Blackjack Phoenix, who is mm-hmm. the man who trained me. Actually, if you go back, I did a whole episode with Bruner just about Victory One. That's right. Uh, I have also uh, worked with Nickel City Wrestling, Mm -hmm. which is a larger promotion. It's gaining a lot of steam. Uh, They uh, do their events at the Matthew Glad Post in Lackawanna. Lackawanna. Thank Mm -hmm. you. Yeah, right on Abbott Road. So get on out there because they put on one heck of a show. Uh, And if Victory One ends up doing another show soon... We'll put that out there, too. But yeah. uh, June 16th, I think, is the next June 16th, uh, Nickel you, City show. You are yeah. correct. Yeah. I will be there. I've already spoken to the owner slash promoter of the show and said, I would like to work on your show again. And he said, that's fine. So <laughs> I will be there. Fine. That's about must. That's about as excited <laughs> as one can get when talking to a referee and not talking to an actual talent. So Hey, you know how to take. You know how to take a bump or two. I do. You know, I trained yeah. to be a wrestler for a month. Yeah, there you go. I know how to. I know how to. I did my time. That's right. So yes, we do have an expert here in Dan Liggett. So uh, we start off every week as we do uh, trepidatiously <laughs> into the week in geek history, which this time we did prepare, but uh, off mic and before, right before we started recording. Yes, as is tradition. To be fair, I did view uh, some items for the week in geek before. Yeah, but they good uh, job. did not. <laughs> Stay in my memory, so we yeah. had to do it again, Good. and that was awesome. Good. Uh, what 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 did you discover for the weekend? So history? because so, we are uh, June sixth, right? Yeah. June sixth. Today yeah. is June sixth. Uh, spoiler alert: We're going to be talking about wrestling today, so yeah. don't be surprised if you hear a lot of talk about professional hey, wrestling. Even if you're not into wrestling, these are stories about the rise and fall of companies with lots of hubris. And yes. if that's not entertaining to, to people, I don't know what is. It is. It is quite. So, Quite a story across the board. So even if you're not really into wrestling that much, uh, Mm -hmm. I I should hope you would find the stories found here fascinating. Anyway, please go on. So, 25 years ago, June 6, 1993, the best there was, the best there is, the best there ever will be, one of the all-time greats, Bret Hart, won Mm. the King of the Ring tournament for the second time, uh, defeating Bam Bam Bigelow in the finals. This is more notable for 
the rivalry that started immediately after this when Jerry the King Lawler attacked Bret Hart during the coronation ceremony, uh, which led to uh, some great matches and also a kiss my foot match, which I would not consider a great match, <laughs> but it happened. That, that's always struck me as a weird stipulation in a match, like kiss right. my foot, kiss my butt. Like, yep, this is weird. <laughs> I, don't, I there, don't like this. <laughs> we, we could do a whole different podcast just on bonker stipulations weird, and weird stipulations. And things that happened in the wrestling world may young gives birth to a hand uh how oh, the attitude error we'll get oh there boy. we'll get there let's wrestling not get too excited weird folks yeah. uh my thing that i found was that the first drive-in theater opened in camden new jersey in 1933 very cool which uh you know i mean this is i mean this is in the early days of sound films if you can imagine uh, and what they had now, usually when you go to a drive-in theater nowadays, they have you turn it, tune into a radio, right? Have you been to a drive-in theater, Dan? Uh, I have, but it's been quite a while. Okay. Well, usually what happens is you, you'll turn into the radio, you know, you turn your car into the battery power and you just have uh, the sound come through your radio and it works pretty well. Uh, before that, they would have a little system where you would hitch a little speaker onto your car. So every parking space would have a little post, and on that post would be a couple speakers, and you'd hitch one of those onto your car so you get the sound through that way. And it has a little volume knob and stuff like that. Well, this is before either of those things. <laughs> so what happened is they just had three gigantic speakers at the front of the screen oh, with sound Lord. blasting out in every which direction. Uh, so the whole town could hear it. Uh, so... Uh, uh, th- things tweak, things grow. We learn. Uh, they learned rather quickly that that was not really a good way to do it. But yeah, Camden, Camden, New Jersey. Thank you for the drive-in. Thank you, New Jersey. Just one yes. more wonderful thing New Jersey has done for us. Yep, that and the uh, jungle safari thing. You ever heard about that? The jungle safari thing. Yeah, I don't remember the name of it. It's jungle, uh, jungle something. But what you would do is they had like a wildlife preserve. In, in this Jersey town, you would drive your car through it. Okay. So you'd see things, and then it sort of just went bankrupt, and then they left some of the animals just there. I do yeah. remember you talking about <laughs> yeah. this. They just left the animals there to, like, to like run around and, and ramp around. People, there, there have been uh, sightings, uh, allegations of sightings of, like, kangaroos in the New Jersey forests and things like that. Yes. <laughs> Which is probably not true, but it's funny to think about. Anyway, thanks, New Jersey. So on to our topic of the week. Uh, we are going to be talking about the history of wrestling on television. Yes. Something I believe you'll find is inextricably, they're, they're very uh, tightly linked with one another. Absolutely they are. They both came up, they, they both blew up in a big way together, shall we say. Isn't that fair to say? I think that's uh, t- fair to t- say. T- TV's big rise in the 50s. Wrestling had a had its first big pop cultural surge in the 50s in a certain way. That is something I would disagree with. Oh, yeah? There was a very large surge of professional wrestling in the 1890s. Mm. And this is when it started to deviate from being shoot matches, which are real matches, right. into more of a worked area so right. that... Fans were getting their money's worth. Yes. Because promoter, what, what is everything about but money? Promoters wanted to make money on the shows that they were putting uh, mm. forth to the public. And one of the things that they needed to do in order to make money was to build a champion. And to build a champion, you had to make sure he won. 
Yeah. So they realized the entertainment value of these contests were going to be a lot more lucrative than the actual physical bouts. So it, these, the, the three biggest sports uh, in the early, um, excuse me, in the late 1800s were going to be boxing, wrestling, and pedestrianism. What? Pedestrianism. What? Do you not know what pedestrianism is? P- no. <laughs> Simply put, it's walking in circles. What? It was professional walking. <laughs> what, should have a judge walking. come up and say, like, hmm, I like his gait. I give this an eight. Is that what he would say? Oh, no, it was... <laughs> it's so difficult to explain without having some kind of explanation in front of you. Uh, basically, they would walk in, in circles, and they would, they would be contests. It, it would be like racing, but walking. You know, you know, um, speed walking? Oh. Think of it like oh. that, but, like, See, a lot lazier. When you said pedestrianism, my thought is everybody, that there would be, like, sort of... Uh, everybody's walking in their own individual circle. And my first thought was everybody's walking in their own individual circle. And you just have like a guy with a top hat and a monocle coming around, like raiding your walk. <laughs> See, I think that would be a really great sport. <laughs> let's do it. Yeah. Let, let, let's do okay. it. Um, when we get all, be like you know, a, all the be like a dog show. That's right. <laughs> but for humans, uh, like uh, Futurama, where that cat lady has a person for a pet. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That what a great episode. Yeah, I love that episode. With Hypnotoad. Hypnotoad and uh, Zoidberg acting like a dog. Hypnotoad. And then they all clap in unison. <laughs> uh so pedestrianism. Okay. Did a quick quick look up here to understand exactly what it was. Yeah. Uh with pedestrianism. It was about distance. It wasn't about how well they looked when they were doing it. It okay. was about walking the longest distance. For example, there was a gentleman who would walk one mile for a thousand miles or a thousand hours straight. One mile an hour for a thousand hours straight. Ew. Right. So he would walk pretty quickly and then try to take a nap, I assume. <laughs> but that was a wow. sport. And people gathered around for an entire day to watch people walk around. Wow. The 1890s were so boring. Then there's boxing and then there's, then there's wrestling. wrestling. Wrestling, which, of course, back then was kind of boring. Yes. By, by, by all accounts. I, I believe that there were some people... Uh, people would say at the time that you know wrestling matches, even then, are like, oh, this is pretty boring. I mean, it's just people kind of grappling on the ground and it lasts for hours. Well, and... People people did find it thrilling. Yeah, oh, yeah. They did. Just seeing the tests of strength that they would do. Yeah. Uh, you would see wrestling a lot in carnivals. Where they yeah. would have their mm-hmm. carnival champion, they would tour the gold around. dust trio. Exactly. Something mm-hmm. like that. Where they would challenge, and they'd always have one plant in the audience to come yeah. in and put up a really good fight. So all the local boys will think, oh, he's not that tough. Yeah. I can also take him. But then yeah. they, they could Yeah, not. no. Then they could and not. they pilfered a lot of people's money. That's how they got money. So, so when when we think about this, the first televised wrestling match, this is something that surprisingly is not Googleable. I tried to look it up on Google, thinking, you know, that's the first TV wrestling match. This should be pretty easy to look up. It's not. Nobody has a straight answer. So what I ended up doing for myself is I've I, I I knew what the experimental television stations were at the time. And I looked up the different TV, experimental TV network stations. So this was before, you know, like NBC, CBS, all that. Before they had like real full-blown TV schedules. So this is a 19th, the earliest instance I could find of, te- of televised pro wrestling was wrestling at the Ridgewood Grove in New York City on Thursday, November 16th, 1939. 
on station WX2XBS, which is now WNBC. It's likely that there could have been other uh, displays of wrestling on television. There were certainly experimental TV stations prior to 1939, notably in Pittsburgh and Schenectady. Now, whether or not they would have had the budget to take a crew and cameras and all that to a a stadium for a wrestling match, I don't know. Probably not, but you never know. This is just as good as I could find. So 1939. If you want me to run down the card, I can. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, 1939, that's... I'm with with Nate on this. I did not find anything earlier. Uh, That actually, fun fact, is the same channel and the same experimental TV station to air the first baseball game. That's right. And that was May 17th in 1939. Yep. Uh, W2XBS got its start at the World's Fair in 1939. That's sort of where they had... uh, they sort of had TV's big coming out party. It was like, <laughs> hey, here's a brand new thing. It's television. You know, I mean, yeah, like, like I said, there were experimental stations beforehand, but this was the one where they were going to show the world, this is TV, this is what it's capable of, this is what we could do with it. And so, and so in 1939, you did have a lot of those firsts. You had uh, that, um, you had uh, the first televised baseball game, which I believe was the Brooklyn Dodgers and something else yeah i couldn't tell you um, who played it i just know people complained because you couldn't really see anything yeah uh and the first televised professional football game was also that year between the brooklyn dodgers and the pittsburgh pirates of the nfl uh one of those teams no longer exists the other team the pittsburgh pirates changed their name the next year to the pittsburgh steelers and that's how you know them and what happened to them uh, well, they sucked for 30 years until uh, until the <laughs> 70s, and then they became a dynasty, and that's kind of how mm-hmm. they've been known ever since. But mm, It's true. Yeah, people uh, forget that the Pittsburgh Steelers, for the first 40 years, were the laughing stock of the league. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Buffalo Bills fans, fear not. We have Josh Allen now. It's right. We're going to be just fine. <laughs> Joe Foy. I can't wait. Now that we have EJ Man, I mean Josh Allen. It's going to be great. <laughs> oh, no. I know. But anyway, on that first card, I, I, I did take, take what, the, what the first card was of that wrestling night, 1939. It was Han Schwartz defeated Luke Hez. Bobby Bruns and Michael Leone fought to a time limit draw. It's Michelle Leone. M- Michelle Leone? Yes. You know who he is? Well, it's Michelle. It's spelled Michelle. Oh, Michelle. Oh, I'm sorry. Michelle Leon. I'm sure he was like a French. Uh, he probably one of was. Those, one of those French Italian yeah, types. Yeah, right. Fought to a time limit draw. And Gino Martinelli defeated to- Tony Papalino. So there you go. It's a lot of uh, a lot of Italian, big hairy Italian dudes fighting yeah. each other. Well, that's because of the demographic Italian. Oh yeah, the Italian demographic, Italian, especially in the urban Germans. areas, were very heavy. Yeah, uh, I, I believe Michel Lyon was billed as coming from Montreal. So there yeah. you go. Uh, yeah, and also you have to know that in those days, um, Gorgeous George changed all this, of course, later on. But we'll get to that. <laughs> oh yeah, we'll but get to but that. beforehand, when you talk gimmicks and what wrestlers did, mostly it was like, oh, that's the Italian guy. Mm-hmm. That's the Greek. Yep. <laughs> and it was entirely ethnic based. Mm-hmm. And entirely. wherever you were wrestling depended on what ethnicity you were. That's so right. somebody who was Italian in Pittsburgh uh, might have been Irish in Buffalo. <laughs> right. Might have been <laughs> Yeah, the crying something Greek. Polish in Tennessee. Could yeah. be anywhere. Yeah, it, it didn't matter. But yeah, it was entirely uh, ethnic based and, mm-hmm. and that's where they so if you were going to wrestle in some place that uh, was primarily German. 
you know, you would have your guy, you know, Hans Schmidt would be would be the hero mm-hmm. and he would take out, you know, well, I don't know, post World War One. But anyway, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of uh, yeah. There's a lot of na- there's a lot of racial nastiness. Ubiquity? Is ubiquity a word? Ubiquitous ubiquity is a word. Ubiquitous means it's it's uh, everywhere. To have ubiquity, yes, that's mean, what ubiquitous means. Yes, that's right. You're welcome. Yeah, good job. Mark it down for your SATs. So the first regular wrestling show I could find on TV. Now, now, re- now wrestling at Ridgewood Grove was regular. It was every Thursday on this channel for a while. But in terms of it being regular, I don't know to the degree of which you could. Uh, say it was modern to any stretch. What I could find as the first regular wrestling show during the time, you know, when when TV was was a formal thing, and starting in the late '40s, Hollywood wrestling was local on KTLA from 1947 to 1952. That's KTLA is a Los Angeles television station, and was syndicated from 1952 to 1955 on, I believe this is the Paramount Network, which is a loose group of unaffiliated television stations at the time. But the big one, the big one was, uh, in the 50s, was Wrestling from Marigold or Wrestling from Chicago, which debuted on the Dumont Network in 1949, and that was a national network of television stations. And this went out everywhere, in 19, from 1949 to the end of the network's life in 1955, from WGN and, and two for two more years after that. Uh, but this is what really gave wrestling an enormous push at the time. It sort of fell off uh, in the 1920s. I believe it kind of fell into a, an area of disreputableness. Mm-hmm. And 1950s on television brought it back. Dan, looks like you have something to say. Well, I, that is true. There yeah. it was actually a period in the... 1950s where it took a hit again mm-hmm. so it's you know a roller coaster of people enjoying wrestling not enjoying wrestling mm-hmm. uh 1950 was a time where it was not as appreciated so the reason okay it was called the great sports slump it happened in the the early to mid 1950s hmm. where professional wrestling specifically was considered outdated okay. and not relevant to Modern day. And when I say mm-hmm. modern day, I mean modern day 1950s. Mm-hmm. So because of that sports stuff, the only thing that really survived on TV was baseball and football. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, beyond that, it, nobody was really interested um, mm-hmm. in, in viewing it as much as it did. And then that network, WGN. Or Dumont in the, Dumont. In the 50s, yeah. Yeah, Dumont Network, when that went out in 1955, um, it wasn't really... There was yeah. It was picked up by I think WGN. Yeah, WGN. I knew, I knew that name was. I knew the name for a reason. Yeah, yeah. WGN had it in fifty six or fifty seven. Yeah. but that was but that was before that was w- specifically Chicago, wasn't yes, it? Yes, it was, it, in the it was before area. WGN became a superstation. Right. Uh, those things did not exist in the nineteen fifties. Right. And it must also be said that the reason wrestling found a home on television in the fifties was because TV was starved for content. There was not a lot of content out there. You could show a lot of old movies, mm-hmm. uh, but there weren't. As many movies in nineteen fifties in the nineteen fifties as there are today, certainly. Um, <laughs> That's so, a little thing called time. Yeah, and you needed you needed to fill time with mm-hmm. stuff. So, and the the thing with with wrestling is it was cheap to produce. Yeah, you can get Real cameras cheap. set up. You don't even have to have multiple cameras like they do. Mm-hmm. You know, moving into the nineties and the eighties, you don't need multiple cameras. You nope. can just have one set up stationary mm-hmm. to view the action that's happening in the middle of the ring. Zoom in and zoom out as needed. Yep. You would have the audience around it. You yep. could have a barrier or not. Yep. There weren't exactly codes to nope. truly follow back Mm-mm. then. 
Well, the wrestlers then, didn't quite get as uh, as many flashy moves as we expect them to do today. True. The odds of them even leaving the ring for anything. Oh, heavens was, no. Heavens no. It was a big deal minute. when they did, like, uh, when they flipped him over. What do you call that when you... A back body yeah, drop? Yeah, like a back body drop. Oh, like, any, like, any type of suplex or... Yeah, the, anything like that was a big deal mm-hmm. in a wrestling match. There was a then. match I watched recently from the 1970s, mm-hmm. and uh, the person I was watching was Blackjack Lanza, okay. who is a classic heel yeah. uh, from the South. Just absolutely classic. Yeah. He knows what gets you. And he... I'll, I'll tell you this. The first six or seven minutes of the match was him locking up with his opponent. Yep. And then going to the ropes and then breaking. And yep. then Blackjack would just raise his hands and kind of give a little bit of respect to his opponent. And they do that uh, over and over until the last one where Blackjack raises his hands and then punches him in the eye. And <laughs> right then. And the chorus of boos that he got for just that <laughs> one move. Yeah. Uh, and then he beat the living snot out of him yeah. uh, and pinned him for the win. I mean, people booed the crap out of it because they, yep. they hated him. That's not how you, that's not how you, how you run your matches, no. but you could do, it was, it was far more psychology back then than anything yes. else because at the time it was still considered to be real. Right. Because the, the best... it was such a heavily guarded um, business. Mm-hmm. Definitely, very, uh, very heavily guarded, mm-hmm. and you still kind of wanted to give the impression that this was a real sport, and, right? And, and you kind of get that impression watching it. You see them the way you see them grapple; it looks very mm-hmm. much like, you know, like a collegiate wrestling match. The way that they grapple at first, right. and then they go into the flashy stuff as the time goes on. Right, you'll see more, more suplexes, more clotheslines. Yes. And, and it must say that it must be said too at this time that this is when. Uh, modern wrestling gimmickry really started to flourish. Right. right. And is is it fair to say that Gorgeous George kicked this off? I think it is fair to say that he made it what it is. He may not have been the first. I know he was the first with entrance music. Yes, Pomp and Circumstance. Pomp and Circumstance, yep. He, um, before him, the only real character, there were other characters, but typically you had the strapping wrestler looking guy and he was your face or your good guy yeah. and then you'd have some kind of angry foreigner yeah. or disfigured monster like the yeah. french angel yeah if you've looked him up <laughs> no oh my goodness i gotta look that um, guy up but anyway go ahead yes uh, i believe his name is maurice tillet or tillet if you are french tillet 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 so just look up the French. Oh my, he has acromegaly. He absolutely does. <laughs> yeah. He was also only 5'7". So wow. the acromegaly was only in his hands, his feet, and his head. So he looked like a monster. Wow. So he would be... What a man. Right. What a mug. <laughs> that is the person that you wanted on the other side of your hero. Mm-hmm. Because they were terrifying. They yeah. would scare the women. Yep. They'd clutch their pearls. Yep. And they wanted to see this monster get taken down by this strapping young man yes so there it was very generic yeah it was more based on merit of how good you were mm-hmm. and that's how gorgeous george um yeah george wagner yeah he wrestled as george wagner and he was that prototype um all-american boy who wrestled the villains right uh but he kind of suffered in the mid card nobody really gained too much of an interest in him yeah uh with the advent of television uh, wrestling's more wrestling wasn't able to be a radio sport 
like how baseball or football was. Or even like boxing. Or even boxing. Yeah. Because yeah. there was so many holes. It was slower, so it was kind of hard to call. Yeah. Uh, and there were so many holds. So the first big change with television was ringside announcers. Mm. So you had uh, even names like Harry Carey. Oh, started yes. out as yes. as wrestling announcers. Yes, he did. And they did that for a little bit. There was another name that I had, but I'm going to... Yeah, skip that's it. fine. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and they started out as the wrestling announcers yeah. um, where they began their sports careers and like eventually he moved over to the Cubs. Mm-hmm. The Cubs. Uh, well, did he start with the White Sox? Whatever. Well, we're, we're, we're debating folks over whether or not Harry Carey started... Because I know he did the White Sox first time Cubs. It doesn't matter. Look it up. Everyone knows him for the Cubs, so <laughs> sure. just think about him as Cubs. The Cubs win. Cubs win. Yeah. Exciting football. Oh, boy. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yes. So... Because of television, you were able to get the visual. And with the visual, George Wagner realized if he wanted to stand out, he needs to be larger than life. He needs Mm -hmm. to be bigger than the character that he is right now. And he recognized it as an entertainment sport. Uh, Truly entertainment. Yes. So he went with the robes. He dyed his hair funny colors to get attention. He Mm. would come out with a gorgeous woman on his arm. He would come out to entrance music. Mm -hmm. And because of this, people recognized him and hated him. There was a large, um, I would say homophobic uh, sentiment. Oh yes. In that time. Oh yes. And just having this person with this male with brightly colored hair and, Mm-hmm. Acting effeminate would and, and his really... and his um and his assistants would would spray perfume on the yes, ring. Yes, Chanel. He yes. would spray Chanel perfume. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it would infuriate these blue collar workers. Yep, these average Joes in the audience, and mm-hmm. it, it, they would absolutely go nuts. Yeah. just seeing him enter the ring. They hated his guts. They hated his guts. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, around this time as well, in 1948, is when the National Wrestling Alliance. Came about. Ah, yes. So the National Wrestling Alliance was each of these individuals. The way Vince McMahon, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, yes. described them later in life was it's like 30 little lords. Yeah. Each in their own little kingdoms, and they respect the lord next to them, <laughs> and they don't go into the other area. Yeah. And that's kind of like, what the National Wrestling uh, Alliance was. Like Germany pre-unification. Exactly. In the times of, uh, in the times of Wilhelm. Yeah. Yes. That's a great example. Yeah. But with wrestlers. Yeah, right. Which is how it should have been in well, Germany. Yeah, right. Think of the, how many how many less problems we'd have today. Right. They just wrestled. Yeah, they just get it out in the ring. That's right. Hit them with a chair. That's right. Uh, so with, with these little areas, they formed the National Wrestling Alliance where they would have one man who would be the champion mm-hmm. and each little territory would have their own champion the main champion would travel around there'd be a couple who would yeah. move back and forth if you have your, like your top notch heels uh that are your villains that you want to see get beat up and you know can draw money you'd have them go to these and uh to these territories and challenge the local champion yeah. for their title usually the local champion would go over yeah the main champion would be the NWA champion. It was it was officially recognized pretty much mm-hmm. across the territory, uh, across all territories, as the world championship. And when that individual would come to your territory, you would put one of your top wrestlers against that individual. Mm-hmm. So they, they that was very lucrative to drawing crowds because you could just put up and say, hey, 
Buddy Rogers is coming. Yeah. And people would flock there. Absolutely yeah. flock there. Yeah. Uh, and the if you were not a part of the National Wrestling Alliance, your business took a hit. Yeah. Because there were... The reason it would take a hit... I'm, t- I'm trying to... Well, I'm trying just, to well just not having like the access to that that roster that that built-in roster exactly of champions you don't get that draw anymore yeah and also your territory was considered fair game mm. so you would have these little lords encroaching on your territory that you have built yeah. trying to poach your guys and working yeah. to take over that territory and put you out of business right so it was advantageous for everybody involved to get into the alliance yeah um included in the alliance was Capital Wrestling. Capital Wrestling. Yes, which we know today as the WWWF, right? Yeah, is that right? Uh, you're WWWF? about WWF. Fifty percent of the way, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> Forty years off. <laughs> okay, right. I think it was. Uh, I can look up the exact date if I wanted to. But yeah, I, I think they changed so. it in '71 from Capital Wrestling to WWWF, and then like in the early 80s or it was like 70s 82, 83 i know bob, bob Backlund was champion yeah. at the time. yeah uh but anyway. capital wrestling yeah but yeah and you see that you know we were talking about gorgeous george and his and and his uh gimmickry but there was also i mean the, even the gimmickry that that remained you know that ethnic gimmick even that was amped up to the nines absolutely so you had guys like han schmidt and uh fritz von erich mm-hmm. who before it was just enough to be, have a German name and you go out there. Now they were wearing red armbands and goose stepping to the ring with yes. full Nazi regalia. Yes, they were. Uh, I believe they have they have story they had stories about like being chased out of the arena with knives and mm-hmm. things like that because I mean that's how deeply re- wrestling fans believed in it uh, at the time. I mean when you were a heel, you feared for your life mm-hmm. <laughs> because I mean, you had to be you had to have guts to be a good heel back in those days. But yeah, so you were saying that uh, wrestling really took a hit in the mid-50s. It, it took a hit in terms of reputability. Right. Um, and so because it was, it, it clawed its way back because it was so cheap to produce on television. Right. And then more eyes got on it, realized that it was enjoyable just to watch. Yeah. So that was how the territories were. And at the time, yeah. there were like local, little local television stations would yes. put on the wrestling in the territories There are themselves. dozens of these shows. There was a point uh, where yeah. there were 235 shows across the United States Goodness in gracious. one week. Goodness gracious. One week. And I'm sure they were all different, all different territories. Just be, mm-hmm. yeah. Absolutely. I and mean, a you, lot, you some had, of them would be. Geez, you had like what? You had, there was the wrestling in St. Louis that was really popular. Yes. Um, studio wrestling in Pittsburgh was a big deal. Oh, gee whiz. Uh, the Poffos had one. What was theirs <laughs> called? Like International Championship Wrestling or something? Oh, I, the name escapes me. Um, yeah, yeah, for for uh, for a way for Angelo Poffo to pimp out his sons. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, it worked out pretty yeah. well for Randy, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, sure did. Um, gosh, uh, I'm trying to think of what the other ones I mean. There was Capital Wrestling. There's Capital, Capital Wrestling. Wrestling had a show. Uh, and then you go down, you, you get, um, if you go up to Canada, you had Stampede Wrestling, yeah. which was the Oh, yeah. Family. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it's a, you had a the, huge you, wrestling territory. You, and you had Georgia Championship Georgia Wrestling. Georgia Championship Wrestling. Where Ric Flair and uh, Dusty Rhodes really made names for themselves yep. at the time in the 70s. They were big deals. Uh, my My... My uncle Steve tells me about going to see wrestling in Parkersburg, West Virginia, in the seventies, and seeing Ric Flair and Blackjack Mulligan and things like that. Wow. He's like, "My goodness, what a what a time to be alive!" 
to, to see those guys wrestle. To have those guys on these smaller independent shows. Oh, I know. To go to the Parkersburg blind. High School gym and to see those guys. Can you imagine? I can can't. you imagine that 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 is the that is the level that wrestling is on? Is that it? These are the to... guys who sold out ninety three thousand in the Silverdome, in, right? In but, Detroit. But ten years earlier, they were playing high schools. Detroit. Uh, yeah, the Silverdome, Detroit. Okay. WrestleMania three. That we yes. talking about? Yeah. yeah. WrestleMania three. Yep. Silverdome, Detroit. Detroit. Yeah, so, so there were dozens of these shows, and they were all over the place. And and if you've ever watched any of these videos, there's a ton of them on YouTube that you can watch. Um, like uh, World Championship, uh, what's it called? World Class Championship Wrestling out of Dallas. Um, yep. WCCW. And, that is yeah. where Shawn Michaels got his start in oh, really? the early '80s. Yep. I didn't know that. Oh uh, yeah, he's from San Antonio. Oh. Uh, so he got his start down there, and he was um, br- uh, brunette, short hair. Weird. Generic baby face. Weird, weird, weird. Yep. But a lot I a lot of the production's the same. It's not very there's uh, no real multi camera going on. It's nope. still one camera pointed at the ring, although this time it's mostly in color, which is nice. That's true. And uh, you can see you can hear the color commenting. You can you can hear the announcing start to get a little bit more colorful at this time. Uh I watched a, a Han Schmidt match. Leading up to this Hans Schmidt match from the rest, from if <laughs> is and, that why you mentioned him so many times? Yeah, because you watched him. Yeah, I watched a lot of Hans Schmidt, oh. and because I liked him, he was a big, he was a bruiser. Yeah. You know, he would just go in wailing. Uh, and in the fifties, at that time, that was kind of weird. Mm-hmm. He would just immediately start punching. Um, but the, but the announcers are just sort of nonplussed about the action. They're just like, well, he's really going at it. Let me tell you, <laughs> there he goes, he's hit, hitting him again. And he's got him on the ground. Oh, got a hold of the rope. Didn't work, Joe. That worked. There we go for the flip and out for the press. Oh, oh Teddy. Oh, Teddy. It's a tough life, isn't it? And it's 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 very it's very lackadaisical. It is. They called it like they would a football game. They don't right. Try to get emotional. They they're yeah, just there right. for the facts. They're essentially yeah. newscasters. And that's a ten yard gain right there. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. And but you could tell in the seventies it starts to get a little more colorful. Yep. Uh, Vincent J. McMahon is that the younger McMahon? There are. Is Vincent the, K. It's Vincent Jesse McMahon. Yes. Is the father. And Vincent Kennedy McMahon is the Vince McMahon we all know and love. Okay. So Vincent K. McMahon. Uh, Vincent, uh, he, he does announcing in the early yep. uh, uh, capital wrestling and ch- uh, heavyweight championship wrestling. That's how we got his um, start. And you can hear him get a little bit more colorful with, with his language. There's a little bit more excitement there, mm-hmm. I, I feel, that, that you can hear in his voice. Not much. Not much. Because mm-hmm. they still want to maintain a level of sportsman uh sports legitimacy yep but you can definitely hear a little bit more of the bombast coming through up until about yeah where are we now are we in the 70s so let's say mid 70s mid 70s you're to gonna see up, a lot of great characters coming out i feel like georgia championship wrestling is the one that really kind of pushed the showmanship envelope Guys like Dusty Rhodes, because 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 the WWF still had Bruno San Martino, yes, who was just a stand-up gentleman wrestler. Yeah. He, he was a very nice guy. May he rest in peace. Yeah, may he rest in peace. He, uh, I don't, I can't see any promos that he ever cut. 
Um, if he if he spoke, it was just very uh, soft spoken. Yeah, it was just into the mic. Very matter of fact. He didn't right. hype his matches too much. No, nope. but n- because n- he was that Italian ancestry, because he represented that every man from Pittsburgh, right, working in the steel mills. That's right. People loved him. It was that. It was that guy. Uh, and he did have some other characters. Was Big J Strongbow WWF? Uh, Chief J Strongbow. Chief J Strongbow. Yes, Chief J Strongbow was. Yeah. Uh, he was a former WWF tag team champion. Yeah. And then you had uh, the, the, the Japanese guy, Mr. Mr. Fuji. Mr. Fuji. Absolutely. Not racist at all, Mr. Fuji. No. Um, he would throw he made sand a in people's great eyes. Living. Salt. Salt, salt. salt. That's what it was. Salt yes. in people's eyes, uh, but but you so so you did have sort of the characters coming out in mm-hmm. those days, which of course played very well on television. But I do think Georgia Championship Wrestling is where they ran away with it, and yeah. you had guys like Dusty Rhodes coming on camera mm-hmm. and talking about uh, you talk about hard times. <laughs> that, yeah, was hard times. <laughs> that was hard times. That was hard times. Full on hard times, yeah. Daddy. A robot took your job. Those are hard times, Daddy. Uh, trying to just juxtapose himself with the hotshot uh, Ric Flair. I think we also have to talk about Mid-South Wrestling. I want to mention Mid-South as well, because that was yeah. another one you'd see uh, guys like Harley Race. Um, you'd see guys, the the Briscoe brothers, Jack and Jerry Briscoe. Was uh, Lawler on that? Uh, Lawler was, was Lawler Memphis. Mid-South? Memphis Wrestling. Memphis Wrestling, okay. yeah. I, yeah. I, I've the name of the actual promotion escapes me, yeah, I, and I, I am sorry remember. that I'm I, supposed I do not to be the expert. It. No, that's all right. Uh, I don't remember, but yeah, Mid South Wrestling was a big deal. Junkyard Dog, Junkyard Dog, Mid-South. yes. Mm-hmm. And they started to also get these bigger, these these larger than life personalities, and put them on mic for you to see and hear, and mm-hmm. get you a little, just a little closer to the action. Yes. And I think that was a big, big part in mm-hmm. leading up to wrestling's eventual mm-hmm. giant boom in the yeah. 80s well so that was leading up to the 80s and uh i don't know unless you have anything to say more about the 70s do you want to is there anything more you want to say about the 70s other than just a bunch of little independent shows all over the place because I, I don't know i mean they're fun to watch there's lots of great matches from that from that era there are a lot of them are just available for you to watch they uh, are. You go on YouTube, you're going to find a oh. treasure trove of oh, just yeah. old wrestling. You just look up the fabulous Freebirds and have yourself a fabulous good old time. <laughs> they, you know, a lot of people yeah. um, will credit them for having the first entrance music. And they might not necessarily have had the first, no. but they definitely perfected it. That was part of Well, they had persona. what, Freebird? Yeah, they yeah, came, it was they came down L- to Leonard Freebird. Skinner's Freebird yeah. is what they came down the ring to. And they would run down and... Yeah. Which was also a big deal, and also something that showed up well in television, that played well in television. To hear a popular song, you know, it was because when Gorgeous George did it to pomp and circumstance, it was just sort of a flowery thing. But here, you actually had wrestlers coming in to pump you up and get you feeling their vibes, right. you know. And I feel like that was such a different application of entrance mm-hmm. music that carries on to this very day. Yeah. And one thing you're going to see a lot is in television, um, especially in the 70s uh, mm-hmm. and even the early to, to mid 80s, television was used to promote the live shows. Mm-hmm. So you weren't going to see competitive matches on the TV. Right. What you were watching right. was the... Uh, I think that's a very good thing to bring up. Pu- the heavily pushed stars of that show mm-hmm. and of that promotion coming in and squashing someone. Yes. When you when you looked at the match, you knew who was going to win mm-hmm. when you yeah. when you got into it. It was Bruno San Martino versus Mount, uh, Mr. Fuji. That's who it was. It was somebody who you knew Bruno could could squash. Right. You know. Not even Mr. Fuji. Uh, yeah. Honestly, oh, if yeah. you look at the live shows that happened in the 70s, you you'll see names you won't even recognize because it's just well. either local talent or they're so far down the card that 
they're not even yeah they, worth they, mentioning besides they, that they didn't even get entrances to the ring they were yeah. already standing there and then you'd see gorilla monsoon come in to, to wipe the floor with them right yeah you know they, they have no wikipedia pages they do not have wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, no, no they wikipedia might have one wikipedia page of random wrestlers but that's I have right not wrestlers who appeared on studio wrestling in 1965 yeah <laughs> uh, it's a very uh niche yeah I, I think you're right they in, in large in large uh, cases where it was syndicated that these mm-hmm. were basically hour-long commercials for the live shows right. that you were expected to come to. Those were the money makers for the promoters, yeah. was was the live shows. Yeah. Because they didn't really sell for advertising at the time. No. They would just try to get people to come to the shows and buy tickets so that they could see their champions that they're watching in person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was the goal. Yeah. Well, I, I think with that, 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 that wraps up the 70s very nicely. We're going to go on break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, wrestling exploding in the 1980s. So, rock and wrestling, baby. Oh so boy, rock and wrestling connection. So stay tuned to that. We'll be right back. International Championship Wrestling featuring the superstars of professional wrestling. Bill Mascaras, Ivan Koloff, the Mongols, Ernie Ladd, Tex McKenzie, Dick the Bulldog Brower, the Mighty Igor, Thunderbolt Patterson, The Love Brothers, Cowboy Bob Ellis, Eric the Red, Gino Brito, and Dino Bravo, Rip Hawk, Luscious Larry Hainamimi, Argentina Apollo, and Luis Martinez. What's up, geeks? Just want to remind you of our fantastic YouTube channel. Next time you go to the Geekiverse on YouTube, be sure to subscribe. That way you don't have to search or hunt or find or look for anything that is our great content. Then it'll go right into your YouTube feed and then boom, you know what's happening when it comes to the Geekiverse. Then share it with your friends. We want other people to join in and tell us if you don't like it. We don't care. We're just having fun. We want you to have fun with us. Be sure to subscribe, share, favorite, like, thumbs up, thumbs down, up, down, left, right. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. So let's get to the show. Geekiverse YouTube. Do it. Championship Wrestling Monday night with a full card lined up at regular prices, including a $3 general admission. You'll see J.D. Costello's triple challenge for $5,000 to be thrown to the crowd. An international kendo stick lumberjack match with Sato and Goto against Jared and Tanaka. You'll be seeing the international title against the Southern heavyweight title when Jerry Lawler meets Bam Bam Bigelow with the two titles at stake. Be there Monday night. What's up, geeks? Just want to remind you that we do have a Geekiverse store for all shirts that are geek. We have the Geek and Proud, Peace, Love, Prosper, straight out of Arkham, and the Geek University tee if you like it simple and blocky like I do. Now, that's at thegeekiverse.storeenv.com, or you can do it real simple. Go to the Geekiverse and click on the tab on the upper part of the webpage. It's real big. It's real easy to see. We thank you for supporting us, but for now, let's get to the show. Afternoon, March 31st, it's WrestleMania. Get your tickets to the greatest sports entertainment closed-circuit TV spectacular of all time. Mr. T risks it all wrestling for the first time, teaming up with champion Hulk Hogan versus Rowdy Roddy Piper and Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Guest timekeeper Liberace, ring announcer Billy Marks, referee Muhammad Ali. Get your tickets now to WrestleMania on closed-circuit TV. Don't miss it. See only at the following locations. Hey everybody, we're back from break, 
and we are we, we just finished up talking about the 1970s and the territorial era as it was called then and we are getting into the wrestling boom the wrestling the boom rock and roll connection rock and wrestling connection rock and wrestling thank yes. you um so really i believe the 80s wrestling boom all kind of starts with two things one of the, one of them i think you're going to elaborate more on here in a second um but the first thing is the advent of cable the advent of cable television which began uh well cable tv had existed prior to the late 70s and 1980s but it was a way of getting tv signals to areas where it would be hard to get because of terrain uh, you think of the hills of West Virginia or Colorado or something like You're that. You're always thinking of the hills of I, West Virginia. I am. They're you in my heart. You can't help it. They're in my heart. Always are. Um, but, uh, and, and that's what cable was used for. It was just used to amplify the t- TV signal that was already there. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the 70s and 80s, they had figured out a way to, to, to use cable to bring you even more television or content. And uh, all these extra TV channels... Uh, similar to what happened in the 50s, we're starved of content. Mm-hmm. What is cheap content? It's wrestling. So USA Network jumped in on this. T- TBS jumped in on this. When they originally WTBS, they became a superstation and really kicked off. Uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling became very popular in the late 70s and early 80s uh, through, through TBS. But yeah, uh, wrestling started to experience a resurgence thanks to cable. Uh, but also because of another thing, mm-hmm. and that is the result of Mr. Vincent McMahon. Yes. Yeah. So to set the stage of this, in 1963, Vincent Jesse McMahon and mm-hmm. his partner Tootsmont had a falling mm-hmm. out with the National Wrestling Alliance. His real name was Toots. <laughs> that does not put, sound right. <laughs> put it out there. Tootsmont. Tootsmont. Look it up. Full name, Toots. It's a real name. <laughs> anyway. Please don't listen to this man. <laughs> At least on this. Yeah. His name is not Toots. Okay. So they, the Vincent Jesse McMahon and Tootsmont were mm. not thrilled with the direction that NWA was going. They did not want Buddy Rogers, who was one of their premier wrestlers, uh, to be traveling around defending the belt. They just wanted him to stop doing that and stay solely in the New York territory. Mm-hmm. Buddy Rogers, however, was pretty leery to take part in that because he put down a $25,000 deposit on that belt. So yeah. if he did not drop it somewhere, <laughs> he wasn't getting that money back. Yeah, uh, They worked it out. Uh, Capital Wrestling left the National Wrestling Alliance in 1963. Buddy Rogers lost the belt. I can't remember to who. But he he did he he Bruno he, San Martino soon picked up. Uh, oh no, we're, I'm sorry. That's no, it's the way we're in the end. We're talking about the NWA. Yeah, we're talking about the NWA okay, title. The NWA. Uh, Buddy Rogers won a championship in right. a tournament in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, mm-hmm. which didn't really happen. They just gave him a championship. That's, oh, yeah, okay. that's what that means. If you win, uh, a, if you win a tournament in Brazil, that means you are just the champion. That's yes, how Pat Patterson yeah. won the Intercontinental Champion. He oh, was really? The first ever Intercontinental Champion in the WWF. Same thing. So, we'll fast forward to 1982. At this time, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, who's Mr. McMahon, who we know now, mm. bought out his father. Bought all of his shares of Capital Wrestling, uh, which was at that point was then WWF. Mm-hmm. And Vincent Kennedy McMahon did not have the same respect for the territories in the area. Mm-hmm. 
his vision was to be a national syndicate wrestling company. So he would be traveling throughout the United States uh, with the ultimate goal of being a global presence, mm-hmm. uh, which was not really uh, favored by the people around him. The the um, other promotions were very upset at even this notion oh, yeah. because this is how we've done it. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, we respect each other. This is our business. I mean, this is this is a this is a business where a handshake agreement means everything. In means the world. everything. Yes, the, the respect <laughs> and being true to your word was was everything here. Yeah. And uh, Vincent Kennedy decided he didn't want any part of that anymore. He was yeah. tired of the little lords. He saw a vision of a national company that could bring him and bring wrestling uh, just everywhere and make sure that everyone not only saw wrestling, but they all saw the same wrestlers. Mm -hmm. So you could be living in Texas. You could go up to Wisconsin and both of you would know who the iron Sheik is Mm -hmm. and both know how to hate him. Mm -hmm. So it, because of that takeover and because uh, Vincent McMahon wanted to put pretty much every other territory out of business and become the only one, uh, that's when he started expanding his empire, um, buying out other territories, uh, and trying to expand on the on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense that you would want to do that, uh, especially if you're going to sell to a cable network right because a cable that it's not like it was in the territorial days where it would mostly just go to some local stations it's like stampede wrestling would go to station syndicated or in stations uh, around alberta canada mm-hmm. you know and that would be it but if you're going to be on a cable network it's going everywhere mm-hmm. and Capital. how silly would it be to say like oh by the way here's philadelphia wrestling you know just philadelphia mm-hmm. that's very silly yeah, there's plenty of stories of wrestlers mm-hmm. who in their area they realized that there was another promotion that somehow they were picking up. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty famous Chris Jericho, Chris Irvine, was from Winnipeg. And mm-hmm. he would um, he told stories about how he would watch Stampede Wrestling. Mm-hmm. And then every once in a while he'd be able to find a station that held uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling. Uh, or yes. Mid-South Wrestling. Or one of the yeah. larger U.S. wrestling companies that would be airing their stuff mm-hmm. yeah. uh, as far and wide as they could. Yeah, if you aimed your antenna just right on a cloudy night, <laughs> you could <laughs> exactly. pick up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you just happened to catch the moon yeah. at three quarters full. It did used to be something that could happen. Yeah, uh, I, I don't remember. There's a specific term for it, but th- there is a way that that you could pick up very, very distant signals. Mm-hmm. I know that around here, uh, if you aim in a certain weather, depending on weather, you can pick up Pittsburgh stations yeah. if you want to. There, there's ways to do it. Anyway. There's ways. <laughs> there's ways. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. I mean, you're saying that, that they could pick up different wrestling from around, but but this was a real national attempt. At, right. At, this at was the wrestling. first real national attempt to, yeah. uh, to globalize really his company as the premier wrestling company mm. uh, so that he would get the lion's share of, you know, the, the airtime. The business. And the, the business, airtime. right, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. He would get the lion's share of the airtime. Mm-hmm. And he did that uh, primarily through, it seems like USA Network is, is was his preferred, uh, is the relationship that he made with Cable started on USA. He had a couple, right, in 1985. Uh, various different shows. 
uh, specifically Primetime Wrestling started in yeah. 1985, mm-hmm. and that was uh, his first one. It was more of like almost like a clip show, I guess, yeah. where they would show some highlights, they yes. would do interviews, you'd see segments of wrestlers in you know Bush Gardens or out on yeah. the street or in New Orleans, <laughs> just doing everyday things or. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes Sergeant Slaughter on the street. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. What do you think about the new Coke? Yeah, uh, uh, but it was it was to promote live events because that was still the main source of income was live right, events. Right, um, and you again we'll see that in the TV wrestling, uh, but that started to change with Capital, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they started to show they, they, when they had their shows, which we're getting to. Yeah, but when they had their shows, especially Saturday night. Yes, the Saturday Night Main Event, right. which I believe was 87 when it started. Saturday Night's Main Event, uh, whether it was 87 or 85, uh, was um, the first time that wrestling was in prime time since wrestling at the Marigold in the 50s. Yeah. A big deal. WWE. Yeah, And but, I, I believe it is going to be 85, because yeah. Saturday Night's Main Event uh, was pivotal in setting up uh, Hogan versus Andre at WrestleMania 3, and that mm-hmm. was in 87. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but we're, while, while we're talking about uh, Vincent McMahon buying up certain things, uh, there is a particular incident that is well known to fans of wrestling of this of this time of this era, and that is an event known as Black Saturday. Dan Liggett, can you fill us in a little bit on the story of Black Saturday? Uh, the long and short of it is Vince McMahon was expanding. He made an offer to the Briscoe brothers who ran Georgia Championship Wrestling mm. that they couldn't refuse. He offered them $900,000 to not only take their company, but offered them positions within his. Which seems paltry today, but back then that was a lot <laughs> of money. I'm sorry, $900,000 seems paltry to you? Well, pa- paltry to, to buy a TV slot today? A national television slot? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's to buy, They bought the company. Yeah. Oh, they, they bought the company. They bought the company. Yeah. They bought all, uh, uh, all the history, all the tapes that they had that all became yeah. part of the WWF. Yeah. Uh, fans were livid. Yeah. When Vincent McMahon showed up on their television screens on that Saturday mm-hmm. and to say that he had bought it. Yeah. Uh, and he, he, I mean, he did try to make it. Um, because he came oh, on like like, tr- like trying to sell it, to, trying to sell it to people watching. He's like, no, this is going to be a great program and you're going to love this. Right. He tried to yeah. sell it to the fans that had been watching for years and the fans were completely jaded and wanted nothing yeah. to do with it. L- l- lest you get the impression that this was like 1990s Vince McMahon who, you know, was playing the heel boss, you know. No, this, this was a guy who earnestly... Wanted to sell you a good product, and why don't mm-hmm. you like this? Yeah. Uh, you know, he wanted he wanted to give you something that you wanted, so that yeah. he could make a little money off the top. Mm-hmm. That's the whole point. Yeah, and uh, it did not take over uh, very well. No, with the fans, uh, at it all. only lasted another couple years or so. Yeah, I believe it was one year from when I could see eighty four to eighty five uh, WWF on TBS. Mm-hmm. Um, I know th- they tried some other things in the territory too. Yeah, uh, Ole Ole Anderson mm. was a big figure. He tried to start up a different program a different company yeah uh and and air that but it did not i think go jim well. crockett promotions eventually took over the retook over the slot after yeah. vince mcmahon uh sold it back i believe so yeah um but it's, it seems to be that the umbrage that that viewers of the time took to it is they didn't really like the uh cartoonish super heroism of the wrestlers right as opposed to the southern wrestling that you would get on georgia championship right they wanted Matches. They wanted to yeah. see people wrestle, and New York was all about the characters and all about the entertainment and the right. flashiness, yeah. which did not fit their style at all. Yeah. And that, that's a good example of you know some learning curves that Vince McMahon had to you mm-hmm. know handle because yeah. he didn't know how to 
move between territories yet. He didn't know how to market somebody mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that it would be different if he marketed Hulk Hogan in, you know, the the South compared yeah. to New York compared to LA. It's yeah. all it's all different. These are different people with different experiences. Right. Uh, I mean, it just I mean, just to compare. I mean, the 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 big stars of WWF at the time, Hulk Hogan, maybe Andre the Giant, just because he's a big flashy dude. Mm. Uh, contrast that with Dusty Rhodes, Dusty Rhodes, <laughs> who was a dumpy, who was a dumpy looking dude, mm-hmm. but you know he's got a lot of heart. Yeah, and that's what you like to the see in your wrestling. Want to see? They wanted you know? to see Terry Funk. Yeah, right. Exactly. Good old boy wrestling. Right. You know, and that's uh, it's just a very distinctly different taste mm-hmm. very distinctly different taste and that's why that did not work uh and it was kind of a debacle mm-hmm. but it uh, certainly was so even even then even in the 80s i feel like you you had wwf was was the runaway winner sort of like uh, allow me to make a video game comparison if you will mm-hmm. uh wwf is uh in the 80s is your nes everybody has one it's uh, important it's big especially come the late 80s wwf is everything the second master system is wcw uh it's not it, it it has its following but it can't really make much of a dent in the wwf and then uh the atari 7800 is the awa <laughs> you know <laughs> like or these little also rants are like the uwf mm-hmm. i mean we won't really go into detail in any of these uh, but they are fun to look into if ever you get the chance. But again, you're going to find great matches yeah. on YouTube. Just sure, seeing exactly what they had to offer. Yeah, sure. It was good. Yeah, but they didn't have the money and the, no. the brains. Heavens, behind it, no. That Vince or the production value. Or the production. Uh, in any case, oh my God. Uh, you, you look at WWF and what they're doing mm-hmm. at the time, and then you look at AWA, mm-hmm. and it, AWA looks like it's still doing the single camera thing. You yeah. Know? Um, but with, it's with so yeah, with, mired with WWF. In the past. Sorry. Mm, I was going to say it's so mired in the past, but with WWF, especially, I, I feel like that was a big, like you said, it was a big learning. Uh, Black mm-hmm. Saturday was a big learning point. And from mm-hmm. there, I, WWF only went up. The right. Rock the Rock and Wrestling Connection uh, right. was 84, I think. Yeah. They they partnered with uh, Cindy Lauper. You will mm-hmm. see it with the first WrestleMania, mm-hmm. which was on closed circuit TV. 84? 85. 85. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the first WrestleMania, they had mm-hmm. Liberace. They yes. had uh, Mr. T in a match, no yeah. less. In a match. Who was not a pro wrestler. Yep. He not was an actor. Wrestler. They had Cindy Lauper. Yeah. They they had Muhammad Ali. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. if if they the, wanted to bring in the celebrities. Uh, yeah. Muhammad Ali was a timekeeper. Yeah, I was gonna say he was a ref or something. Yeah. Uh yeah. But Which uh, means he just sat there and rang the bell. Yeah, I think it's another big point to, to, to bring up uh at the time period too is the rise of the pay per views. Mm-hmm. And you of course when they started, they weren't pay-per-views in the sense that we understand them to be today right uh it was closed circuit television and what that meant was you go to a movie theater to watch this uh and the movie theater will pick up the satellite broadcast and put it on the big screen for you right uh of course i guess if you were a um if you owned a home satellite dish which in the 80s was something of a rarity but it did exist i guess you could have picked up the signal as it was airing but it was very unlikely that you did yeah, it, uh, it was so unlike. I mean, yeah. what they would have to do is actually go say they wanted to buy this pay per view. They'd have to go to uh, a store or a vendor that had these machines, pick up right. the machine, bring it home, plug it in, angle it correctly, watch the pay per view, dismantle it, and then bring send it back. It back. And yes. then send it back. So it, it it was much easier just to go to a movie theater right, and watch it right, with a right, group right. of people. I believe the first time that they did like a pay per view as we understand it though was eighty seven. 
uh, at least with a wrestling match. This had happened a long time before with boxing mm-hmm. and other events like that. That's um, teleprompter was a big one. I don't remember the territory it was in, but that was in the 60s. And there was a way you could order movies over the phone. And they aired a Sonny Liston boxing match. Oh, I didn't know watch. that. Um, so so the, the idea of pay-per-view, as we understand it, did exist, but wrestling didn't use it until 87, right. from what I gather, from it what was I could find. Thanksgiving, 1987. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was... Yes. Uh, WCW, WCW, mm. NWA, because yep. I, I believe they were still um, affiliated with each other at the time, mm-hmm. were planning on putting on their, their biggest event of the year, which was Starcade, mm-hmm. And Starcade was their WrestleMania. Not to be confused with the video arcade game show from the early 80s. Yeah, I know anyway. people listening would probably be really confused about that, so thanks I was. for bearing with me. <laughs> anyway, so Starcade with two R's. Starcade. Starcade, yes, yeah. with two arts, mm-hmm. uh, was scheduled for Thanksgiving night. Uh, and Vince McMahon said, well, I am going to have a pay-per-view the same night. And that's when he uh, concocted Survivor Series. Yeah. So he decided to air Survivor Series at the same time. Nothing if not ruthless. Yes. Uh, Vince McMahon. Would you like to know how ruthless, Nate? <laughs> Please, go on. He uh, blackballed anybody who carried... Starcade was not allowed to carry Survivor Series. Jerk. So because of that, everybody decided, well, I guess I'm only going to be carrying uh, Survivor Series because it's the bigger company and it makes yep. more money. You can't really recover from that. Now, that that really hurt uh, um, the business of WCW. This was their biggest show of the year, and they didn't do nearly as well as they needed to mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. Vince McMahon power played them out of the area. Did they... Did they eventually go on at a different night? I, I can't remember what the solution was for WCW in that scenario. I I can't remember if they went on a different night or if they just did in any ways and blew it. But uh, you know, case, I would have to look it up. I, yeah. I honestly don't remember. Yeah. If you give me a second. Sure. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll give him a second while he looks up the answer here, real so quick. We're gonna go Starcade. No, it it stayed on that night. So, so Liggett has found out Starcade stayed on that night. Probably didn't do too hot, because by '87 WWE or F, I'm sorry, WWF had they'd already captured the Zeitgeist. They'd won by that point. There was nothing that any other promotion could do to make a dent in that. They they carried on this way. Uh, WWE carried on. They they kind of coasted for a good time on this success, going to WrestleMania three and. Uh, all or other sorts of events. Hulk Hogan just got more and more astronomically popular. Well, WrestleMania three was actually before. Oh, was it? Starcade. Oh, right. And um, just one quick amendment as I'm yeah. reviewing this, it yeah. actually was not under the WCW banner. It was only under NWA, and that's what oh. killed the NWA. So what happened is Jim Crockett Promotions and the MWA yeah. were not able to recoup that sort of loss. Yeah. They ended up uh, merging with. Um. Oh, no, World Championship Wrestling okay. would leave the NWA for good in 1993. Okay. So it was still affiliated with World Championship Wrestling. Okay, yeah. Yeah. But uh, but, but that continued. I, I mean, WWE's dominance. To, uh, F, jeez. I, I want to try <laughs> to get the F right. I don't want to get the F out yet. Yes. Um, That's in 2002. <laughs> That's right. No, uh, they, they really maintained that level of popularity mm-hmm. until... Till the early 90s. And do we want to get into that? Have, have we said all we want to say about wrestling in the 80s? And well, sort of we mentioned close or, 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 or do we want to talk about the kind of content that they produced in the 80s, too? Uh, the ways that they 
kind of embodied the entertainment of the 80s. You know, you had wrestlers like the Ultimate Warrior, who just wore these neon tassels. Yeah, go ahead. Um, you Talk had about it. Uh, you had uh, the Iron Sheik, who is just this. I mean, you know, we talked earlier about folks like uh, Fritz von Erich and others before him who played up the ethnic angle. But man, the Iron Sheik took it to the nines, man. Like mm-hmm. it was the ultimate like bad guy foreigner. He was actually Iranian I, from Iran. Yeah, I don't think. You can top that now. I think the Iron Sheik is about as high as that gets. Yeah, that's I, that's. I, I I think that's about it. You had guys like Sergeant Slaughter who were who were on children's cartoon shows. Hulk Hogan had a children's cartoon mm-hmm. show. Uh, Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. Mm-hmm. You'd have guys um, like the Road Warriors. They weren't on W. Oh my gosh, WF. the Road Warriors were were Mad Max made manifest. I mm-hmm. mean, these guys. You know, they wore spikes, mm-hmm. war paint, mohawks. Mm-hmm. These guys were the real deal, man. <laughs> like, you have guys, George the Animal Steel. Yeah. Just just absolute characters. There's, uh, there, there's Nikolai a Nikolai Volkov. Yeah, the Boris Russian. Shukov, yep. mm-hmm, the Russian. There's a terrific, this is um, NWA wrestling, but there's a terrific one. I can't remember. I think it's the Freebirds versus uh, the Road Warriors, and it's a Skywalkers match, a scaffold match. A scaffold match. So a scaffold match is where you have uh, sort of these... Uh, steel platforms about 30 feet above the ring and they wrestle on it and mm-hmm. the opponents to fall from the scaffold lose and you don't really see those anymore. no no just no. so you know the liabilities my god um, also they're yeah. not that fun to watch because no. they're very well, they're ex- very tepid up there trying yeah. to avoid falling off yeah. early or like it, really hurting themselves except that i i read a uh, wrestling book uh, i think it's called the squared circles about the history and, and i totally agree with this guy with this author's uh um take on it and he's just said that match between the road warriors and uh, i think it was the Freebirds on that scaffold the the footage that you have now is so grainy you think someone could actually die? <laughs> like, like it's it's done in such a way, just like no, this is really too dangerous, and somebody's going to kill themselves doing this. And in that sense, it is quite thrilling. So, but you'll never see scaffold matches again. No, uh, heavens, no, no. way. They they are gone for good. Anyway, but yeah, th- those are sort of the characters that you would see on WWE and 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 or WWF at the time, and that they would really. Um, I think that really typifies the entertainment mm-hmm. that was found in the 80s. And, Absolutely. And the kind of entertainment you find on television. You know, uh, uh, music videos, Miami Vice, all that kind of stuff. All that brightly colored no. t- uh, entertainment. But that goes into... Um, so so the w- WWF would ride this until uh, 1993 or 1993. 4, would you say? I would say 93. So let's go into the 90s here. So let's prime time wrestling was a WWF show. Yes. And that aired on Monday nights mm-hmm. on the USA Network. It was, again, it was more of a clip show. It was yep. interviews, segments, maybe some highlights. But a for promotional the most part, tool. It was a promotional tool. Mm hmm. Uh, they decided to change from the f- format of primetime wrestling to something else. So they changed mm. the name. They they went to a different product and called it Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Raw. So January 11th, 1993, the very first Monday Night Raw aired mm-hmm. with a main event of The Undertaker versus Damian Demento. Damian Demento. Damian Demento. <laughs> I'm familiar with Damian Demento. No, you are not. He- I am not. <laughs> Uh, he's he's more one of the more obscure ones. Um, his, his claim to fame really now is being 
in the main event of the first Raw. Oh, really? He, he was in uh, the Royal Rumble a few weeks later. He did not do so well. Not because of lack of talent, just because didn't really have a place for his kind of character on the card. Mm. Undertaker pretty much had the mystical eras yeah. sewed up. So. Yeah, yeah, he had it down. He had it down by that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it also featured Shawn Michaels versus yeah. Max Moon. Okay, another wrestler I'm not uh, familiar with. Uh, Spaceman from the future. Great. Yep. <laughs> Good. That's Good. that's real. I love it. Max then, Moon. Look him up. And then there was an in-ring and out-of-ring confrontation between Doink the Clown and Crush. Ah, uh, yes. Now, now it should be said, there are multiple Doinks. There are many Doinks <laughs> are and many doinks. Dinks. And they come and go like ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> One which of them, is, a couple which of them is are. <laughs> funny because then Matt Bourne is the original Doink and, and he is dead. He has passed on. He has passed on. Uh, uh, but but I think uh, you're sort of bearing the lead here with Raw. And the, the, the big thing with Raw is that it was live. It was a live weekly show, which was something that didn't really happen then. It wasn't always live. It wasn't. No. Oh, see, I was under the impression that it was always live. It was not. They did the first one live. Okay. If I remember correctly. But they taped other episodes, so even even going into 2000, you would find episodes that were actually taped and done the week before. Wow, mm-hmm. interesting. So it wasn't regularly live. It wasn't regularly live, but okay. you would get live shows from, okay. the, from the Manhattan Center. Yeah, because that is kind of a big deal that, that you would even have regular live shows just on TV. Because usually, mm-hmm. if you had to see a live, sh- if you're going to see a live show, you had to do pay per view if you're yep. going to see live. So the fact that Raw was doing this just on the USA mm-hmm. Network. And it was important to note that it was actual wrestling matches, uh, and they were competitive matches to yeah. boot. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just promotionals to get people to come to the live show. Mm-hmm. They were actually trying to put forth a product on TV that people mm-hmm. wanted to watch. Right. Now, something else also happened in 1993 in terms of uh, one of the uh, big stable mates of the WWF moving on mm-hmm. to other ventures. Hulk Hogan was the WWF for a very, very long time. And in 1993, he decided that his time with the WWF was over. Mm-hmm. He moved on to go to WCW. Yep. There there were a couple big names that went over to WCW within the next couple of years kind of following him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lex Luger, Randy Savage. So when Hulk Hogan moved to WCW, that swung the pendulum to WCW to really make them the most powerful promotion in the game. Yeah. Uh, and this mattered a lot in terms of television because for the first time in quite a while, now that WCW had this big name, Vince McMahon finally had some real competition. He did. And at that time, uh, Raw was on uh, Monday nights. Right. It started in 1993. There was a shift in management in WCW. Mm -hmm. Bill Watts was the former president and head of the company, Mm -hmm. and he was ousted. He didn't like what he was doing anymore. So they put Eric Bischoff in charge. Mm -hmm. Eric Bischoff was in a meeting with Ted Turner. Mm -hmm. They were sitting in the meeting. Ted Turner, Ted Turner is a wrestling fan. And that's how it ended up on TBS in the first place was because Ted Turner likes the product. So Ted Turner was sitting there and he said, what can we do to make wrestling relevant again Mm -hmm. and increase those numbers? Uh, And without blinking, Eric Bischoff blurts out, give me prime time. Yep. He wanted primetime on the network so mm-hmm. that he could have his show 
airing, you know, 9 to 11, 8 to 10, what have you, mm-hmm. uh, Ted Turner thought about it and said, all right, give him Monday nights, 8 to 10. And that was it. And then that, <laughs> that's how the Monday Night Wars started. Wow. Was just Eric simple, Bischoff like, just right, said, hey, I could use some prime time and that will help the numbers. And Ted Turner said, yeah, that works. And just gave it to him. And, and, and they gave him Monday. Now, why did, they, why did they choose to go up directly against Raw? Or was that not a thing at the time? Did, did Raw come first, or was it Raw came first? Raw came, Raw first. came in 1993. Uh, so, Nitro was 95. Okay, and 95. they just, and they simply said, "Let's just compete directly." That, that I, I'm just I'm just surprised that that's what it was. No, I, just... I was not in the room. Okay, which okay. may surprise you. <laughs> yeah, now the way you're talking, it sounds like seven. you might have been. <laughs> but it's it's fascinating to me that they chose to directly compete that mm-hmm. way. Like you think, you know, uh, take an open night, take Tuesday. Take Wednesday, you know. Nope. Let's go That's, directly against the when guy. When we get into the 2000s, we can talk about this again. Okay. There's a secondary Monday Night War that was far less infamous. Was it TNA? Yes, it was. <laughs> it, uh, we'll get there. Those of you who are unfamiliar with TNA, oh boy, that's a different They ended up changing their name to Impact Wrestling because yes. they realized TNA is, is too right for It's a stupid, parody. stupid name. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so back to the Monday Night Wars, and this kicked off in earnest, and mm-hmm. it sent wrestling way like even I, I feel like this was an even bigger boom than it was in the eighties. It was with wrestling in, in the nineties. It was especially because when on, you get to the end of end of the nineties and the, the right. early two thousands. Because on one end of WCW, you're talking big big names, big mm-hmm. draws like Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage. Hulk Hogan would turn heel in a, in a big this way. Is that very game, that garnered a butt ton of viewers. Yes, this is very important. It wasn't mm-hmm. just Hulk Hogan turning heel. Uh, yeah. Earlier in the year, yeah, Scott Hall who was Razor Ramon, came out of the audience in WCW. Nobody knew that he was hired, because at the time, they did a good job of keeping things from dirt sheets. Yeah. There wasn't an online source for them to look at and say, right. oh, did you hear Scott Hall just got hired at WCW? Yeah. Nobody knew. So when Scott Hall jumped the railing, climbs into the ring in WCW, everyone's thinking, this is a WWF guy. What the heck is he doing here? Because yeah. he was a big name. Yeah. So he comes out and says, you know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. Uh, and that was their invasion angle of yeah. Scott Hall and what ended up being Kevin Nash, who yeah. was a former world champion as Diesel. Yeah. And so the two of them came in as the outsiders. Uh, they, you know, came, fought back and forth. They had a match at Bash of the Beach 96 and said, yeah. we will bring a third person because we've got a third that you don't know about. Yeah. Uh, and you put your three best against us. And so it was Luger, Savage, and Sting against Hall Nash and this other individual. Uh, but, you know, as you mentioned before we started, it's yeah. so easy to get stuck in the weeds on this. Yeah, it is. It's so... It's, it's, it's fascinating. Well, well because, because the stories are so uh, intrinsically... In, I mean, it, it's so intertwined with what mm-hmm. what drew eyeballs. Right. And when we're talking about wrestling and television, eyeballs are what matter yeah. in terms of staying on the air. And you know what bigger, what what bigger way to attract eyeballs than to say this good guy that you have known and loved for the past twelve years, he's a bad guy now, and that immediately just makes people turn their heads and say, "I gotta see that." Yes, people were clamoring for a Hulk Hogan heel turn for a while. Yeah, uh, he was the the mysterious third, and yeah. so that garnered a lot of pay per view buys. That yeah. got the eyes on the WCW product, mm-hmm. uh, and in 1996, that began the. Yeah, I want to say it's 83 weeks. Um, 
Nitro. Oh, of uh, Nitro Dominance. Yeah, Nitro Dominance. Yeah, I, I know they had a very long turn of where WWF was really hurting for a while in terms of, which is the first time they had struggled mm-hmm. since, gosh, the 70s, the first time they had mm-hmm. they, they had faced any kind of hardship <laughs> in yeah. terms of their business. Yeah, absolutely. And Nitro was kicking their butts mm-hmm. for a good long time. Yeah, it was, I, I, I want to say it was 83 weeks. Yeah. It was either 83 or 84 weeks, and mm-hmm. I, I feel like a poor wrestling fan for not knowing yeah. that offhand. But, but they could not beat WCW. WDF could not beat WCW yeah. in the ratings. And, and what was the, what was their roster at the time? Were they still working through things like with Bret Hart? and Because and, this is before the quote-unquote attitude era. As right. We, as this, we is, this is when attitude they were going era, through of course, the next you say, generation. Like if, you say, if I say Stone Cold Steve Austin, that's what attitude era is. Yes. Uh, anyway, but yeah. Going into, I mean, if you look at 94, 95, 96, mm-hmm. uh, at the time that Hogan left, uh, if you look at the people who are there, mm-hmm. they do have some real good talents. Yeah. And they have Shawn Michaels, mm-hmm. they have Bret Hart. They have Owen Hart. They have Owen Hart. Who I love as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. They, yeah. But the problem is the characters that they were developing mm-hmm. and the content they were putting on TV wasn't interesting uh, yeah. and was outdated, frankly. Yeah. There was a whole angle that uh, Bret Hart started with the pirate Pierre Lafitte. Yeah. Because uh, he's, I'm um, sorry, the whole angle started because Pierre stole Bret's sunglasses or jacket. <laughs> yeah. And Bret says, You stole my jacket. How dare you? And then yeah. wanted to go after him. It just doesn't make sense. It's, 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 still, it's still a cartoony. It was still angle. cartoony. Yeah. And if you look at the characters they were putting out, that was when most of the characters seemed to be occupations. There was yeah. a dentist, there was a plumber, there was uh, a pirate, yeah. there was a tax collector, there was oh. a repo man, like all these nonsense characters. There was yeah. a garbage man, Duke the Dumpster Drossy. Yeah, whereas in WCW you had this intrigue of an invasion from another, right. from another source, which is... Which is wild, man! Mm-hmm. Like that, what, what a wild idea in wrestling to say, like, no, actually, the company's being fought from the inside. Like, right? <laughs> weird. And, what a weird, cool thing to talk about wrestling. Yeah, when Hulk Hogan uh, christened themselves the New World Order, yeah. that stuck. That is still one of, if not the greatest stable of all time. Mm-hmm. Because that also not only was Great in gimmick. WCW, but it was yeah. able to fan out, and there was a partnership with. Uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yeah. Oh, and so I didn't know that. There were NWO members in New Japan. Oh, wow. They cool. they had an agreement that they would swap yeah. talents. So they would they would like try to put like equal talents from like one promotion. They would have them come out in WCW and then mm. they would do it on the other side and then um in and uh, New Japan, there would be people coming out. Uh, mm. It didn't work out so well because WCW stiffed Japan pretty pretty horribly. Mm. They were getting like their top guys, and WCW was sending over like oh uh, the, the like the medium people Disco like Inferno. Alex Wright, Disco Inferno. <laughs> yeah, people. gross. It, it wasn't it wasn't great for me. Yeah, um, but but this yeah WCW uh, persisted quite a while with this mm-hmm. with, with this success. Yes. They continue. They started. To, would you say? Okay. So, would you say that WCW began to make missteps, or WWF began to find something that worked for them, or was it just a confluence of the two? Well, it was uh, both. Okay. To be honest, it was they. The, the biggest problem WCW had was the guaranteed contracts and the creative control that Hall, Nash, and Hogan had. Mm. They pushed themselves to the detriment of the product. And people started to tune out. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, 
WWF found their stride in the Attitude Era with yeah. uh, Bret Hart really is one of the first ones to step out and become somebody who was more cutting edge. Mm-hmm. He lost a match to his brother Owen mm-hmm. and delivered a scathing promo with many four-letter words, which was not really expected at the time, mm-hmm. especially from someone who was supposed to be perceived as you know your face or your yeah, good you're guy. The, the good guy. Uh, after that, Stone Cold Steve Austin, mm-hmm. who debuted yeah. not as Stone Cold Steve Austin, but as the ringmaster <laughs> and was with Ted DiBiase and the uh, Million Dollar Corporation. Great. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin had a pretty memorable feud with Savio Vega, mm-hmm. who um, he worked with to create and eventually execute the Stone Cold Stunner, the mm-hmm. greatest finishing move of all time. And okay. you can quote me on that. Okay. They, uh, when he won the King of the Ring, he beat Jake the Snake Roberts. Uh-huh. Um, Jake yes. the Snake Roberts is a beloved wrestler. Everyone knows who he is from the mid to late 80s to the early 90s. Mm-hmm. They also know he has a lot of demons. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a lot of drug use, a lot of alcohol abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, and believe it or not, he's fine now. And he's extremely honest about it. Yes. As well. Yes. Uh, at the time, he was, uh, in 1996, he was a born-again Christian. Yeah. And he... He wrestled he, as such. Yes, he did. Yeah. In his promos, he would reference it. He would reference the Bible, and he would reference his faith as he was getting ready to have a match. Mm-hmm. And Stone Cold Steve Austin had a promo that really kicks it off for the Attitude Era mm-hmm. of the more, like... You talk, you, you talk about this. your... You sit there and you thump your Bible and you say your prayers and it didn't get you anywhere. Talk about your Psalms. Talk about John 3.16. Austin 3.16 says I just whipped your ass. And this set off a huge thing in motion of sort of... Uh, of of just that sneering at mm-hmm. like attitude. That's what it mm-hmm. was. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very aptly named as such. Yep. And then with that, DX became a thing. And and uh, in the cynical '90s, boy oh boy, does that travel far? Absolutely. Yeah. The late '90s, the Gen Xers were eating that up. Yeah, hundred percent. Absolutely. Um, it was and it, again, it was sophomoric. It was yeah, gross out humor. Yeah, oh boy. But it stuck. And, Bastion Booger, but it's not Bastion Booger was actually the early nineties. Oh, was he? Okay, yeah, ninety four. It was Mike Shaw. He had a couple different names. Okay, um, but I mean, we can get into that. Later. Yeah, but but, uh, but yeah, that's when WWF's really that 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 is when they found their stride, and, and WCW mm-hmm. made a lot of missteps. I mean, a lot of missteps. Right, like and and they are all equally fascinating. Right, look up. Uh, the finger poke of doom. Yes. Look up. Uh, That's a great one. Look up Halloween Havoc, nineteen ninety eight. Oh. oh, there, there are so many of these train wrecks mm-hmm. that they just couldn't get it together. Now the finger poke of doom. Okay, do you want to talk about? I'm going to talk bit? about. All right, this let's talk about the finger, finger poke of doom real quick. This yeah. is incredibly important to ratings. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you why. Okay. That night, Raw was pre-taped. Okay. So the results were out there. The spoilers were out there. If you knew where to find them, typically mm-hmm. you could see them in a dirt sheet, or if somebody was in the audience. Alt TV. Yeah, internet was in yeah, its infancy. Yeah, all news groups. Yeah, right. They WCW got a hold of the results uh-huh. that night. In that taping, Mick Foley as Mankind won the WWF Championship for the first time. 
mm. they were announcing, and one of the the tactics that WCW had was to give away the endings of Raw, mm-hmm. like to say what was going to happen on Raw on WCW Network to try to get people from turning over. So yeah, they, there goes all the intrigue. You know what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, well, they had the they were talking about Raw and mm. saying, oh, we just learned this. Mick Foley, Mankind, is going to become their champion tonight. And one of the announcers, I believe it was Tony Schiavone, said, huh, that's going to put some butts in the seats. Yeah. And in that moment, and Mick Foley loves to talk about this, it's seriously, as he's saying that, the Mm. Nielsen ratings uh, registered a huge shift as everyone turned their TV to Raw (laughs) because they knew a title change was going to happen. And it was a beloved face that, even though he was kind of a maniac and wore the mask, was considered yeah. an everyman. Yeah. So because of that, that shifted. Yeah. Um, that was in 99, I mm-hmm. want to say. No, excuse me. That was in 98. Yeah. That was 1998 that that happened. The Finger Poke of Doom was the same yeah. night. Oh, oh, God. That was that was WCW's answer to Mankind winning the championship, uh-huh. is Kevin Nash getting poked in the chest by Hulk Hogan. Kevin Nash falling over, Hogan pinning him for the title, and they were all together again as friends. And once again, the fans were screwed over by the NWO, these yeah. guaranteed contracts into what they were into what um, yeah. what they got as a product. Yeah. So again, that that had nothing for WCW as a company. No. That had everything to do with Hogan and Nash having the control to just be able to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. H- Hogan's ego, I think, plays a huge part in WCW's downfall. Yeah. I, I think that's very... I mean, that, that that comes into play with Halloween Havoc. That comes into play with the Finger Poke of Doom. With so much of what happens. There was an ego. Yeah. There absolutely was an ego. There was also the right to have that ego, if you understand. Ah, uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Hulk Hogan mm-hmm. was the, the name. He, with Vince McMahon, propelled wrestling back to the mainstream in the 80s. It yeah. was almost... 100% on his shoulders because mm-hmm. he was the champion. He main evented every WrestleMania from 1 to 7. That's how wow, good he yeah. was. Um, one to eight? Wow, he yeah. invented a lot of them. Yeah, we'll just say maybe yeah. one to nine. Yeah, we'll just keep going. <laughs> yeah, but he the the other thing that led. Um, actually, I'm I'm moving away from finger poke unless you have okay. something you want. No, to that's add. fine. I, I I just wanted to touch on it real quick. Okay, <laughs> I wanted to poke it real quick. You just wanted to poke it real quick. <laughs> I wanted to finger poke it. Give it a, a little, little bit. touchy too. That's right. <laughs> I don't think that's a word. Nope. That's okay. That's okay. It's fine. Leave it in. So, the other important uh, part that happened was the Montreal Screwjob. Mm-hmm. Um, Which I don't know how deep we want to go into that. There's a reason we want to go deep into it, okay. or at least a little bit into it. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll give the, we'll give the high level. Yeah, the, yeah, the we'll high, high level. Because there's if you want to, you can go deep on what happened on the oh, Montreal yeah. Screwjob. A lot of people but, have lots of opinions. Yeah, uh, but we won't go deep in the weeds on that. Mm-hmm. The important change that happened was the advent of Mr. McMahon mm-hmm. without the Montreal Screwjob. And that's where Shawn Michaels went to Mr. McMahon because Bret Hart was not willing to drop the title before he was leaving for WCW. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shawn Michaels worked with Vince McMahon, Earl Hebner, the referee, and Dave Hebner, who's another referee and a um, producer of, of the show, mm-hmm. to screw over Bret. And that's exactly what happened. Bret Hart was not a part of that finish. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shawn Michaels put him in a, a sharpshooter submission hold, mm-hmm. and Earl called for the bell and then ran out of the arena and drove away mm-hmm. immediately. 
Um, and Brent had no idea what was going on. And Sean also faked that he had no idea what was going on, even though he was a part of it. Um, but what happened there is it became evident that Vince McMahon was the owner at the time. He mm. was still an announcer, right? He was still kind of like a backstage presence interviewer, mm. that sort of job. And it wasn't acknowledged on air that he was the big owner of the company. Mm. And what happened there is they did an interview with him afterwards where Mr. McMahon came to form. He took no responsibility for screwing over Brett. He said Brett screwed Brett. Brett, yeah, I was going to say, I believe he... Brett screwed Brett. Brett screwed Brett. And in a way, it's true. And that's part of what led to that heel persona. Um, eventually, that led to Austin and McMahon. Mm-hmm. Austin is the baby face, the beer-swilling everyman. Yeah. And Mr. They, McMahon is the the boss, the yeah. 1%, if you will, yeah. who he was facing. Um, the night that the ratings shifted back to WWF, mm-hmm. it was because Austin and McMahon had a scheduled match that night. Wow. And everyone tuned in to see it. Yeah. Yeah, and and those fortunes continued. WWF continued to win the ratings war after that. Mm-hmm. WCW it went back could and not. Forth. Well, they just couldn't ultimately overcome their own missteps at that yep. point. They they had they had one given too much to, to too much attention to WWF inadvertently, and mm-hmm. WWF had hit their stride. Mm-hmm. Those two things together it, it spelled the end for WCW. Mm-hmm. And by the what two thousand two thousand one, Vince McMahon bought them out because. Yeah. It's cachet had fallen so much that they had become very cheap to buy. Mm-hmm. So you just did. Yep. Uh, the they were able to poach wrestlers yep. uh, who were just sick of management, and they were mm-hmm. talents. They were guys like Eddie Guerrero, mm-hmm. uh, Perry Saturn, Dean Malenko, Chris Jericho, mm-hmm. Raven. All of these Brian individuals. Pillman. Brian Pillman's an interesting story, and I don't think we have time on this Okay, one, all right. Because it doesn't have anything to do with ratings. Okay. But it does have to do with how bad WCW was. Okay. <laughs> um, another time. Another time. Another time. We can do a whole other wrestling podcast yeah. if you want to. Yeah. <laughs> what happened then is because they were getting all these people, um, yeah. the, the top refused to leave the top. So yeah. imagine having to look at the main event be Sting, Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage, Kevin Nash. For six years, years and years and years. Right. Mm. Right. Nobody wanted to no. see that anymore. So they, mm. the littler talent, and when I say littler, I mean mid card, who could have been main events, and many of them were champions mm. in the WWF, WWE, mm. they jumped ship. And yep. because of that, eventually, um, WCW, they couldn't do anything. There was a gentleman. Um, for what truly killed WCW, the nail in the coffin, mm. was not Vince McMahon. It was not Eric Bischoff. It was not Hulk Hogan. It was not Stone Cold Steve Austin. Was it Vince Russo? No. No. <laughs> it was uh, Jamie Kellner. Hmm. It's a name. That's a name I'm not familiar with. He was an executive at TBS, hmm. and he saw wrestling, and he saw it like somebody would see uh, Seinfeld, yes. and say, "Oh, okay. Well, I don't think we have anywhere else to go with this, so let's just cancel it." Yeah. And he canceled it. Yeah. And then it was done. There was no more wrestling on TBS after that. That was the end of it. I want to say it was Jamie Kellner, but Jamie Kellner might be the guy from Mythbusters. Hold on. <laughs> oh, Jamie. But I, I, you know, I think I did read that that they just sort of said, you know what, we've kind of had enough of no, this. No, I was right. Jamie, Jamie Kellner. Kellner. Okay, feels good. Yeah, uh, good for you. <laughs> but yes. uh, he did it. Yes, he did it. Everybody. Yes. 
Uh, he's doing the Daniel Bryan yes chant. Love that guy. Yeah. So glad he's back. Yeah. But that was kind of it. And WWE, as they were rechristened in 2002, mm-hmm. ruled the roost and continue to do so ever since, really. There's been no legitimate... Con- I mean, there. I mean, legitimate in one word, but, mm-hmm. but there have been no serious contenders mm-hmm. to try to take on. Do you know how much the WWF purchased WCW for? Was it four million? One. One million? One million. The entire WCW library, the entire every every copyright, every That's contract. Insane. One million dollars. That's yeah. like Coke acquiring Pepsi. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like for 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 pennies. Right. For pennies. That's like Mar- Marvel acquiring DC for yeah. like Ten cents a character, which DC could have done in the nineties, but that's a whole other story. Again, we've strayed. There's another story yeah. there, which uh, I do hope to get our good our good friend and fellow Geekiverse contributor Lou on to talk about the the Marvel boom and bust of the nineties. But yeah, uh, WWE continues uncontested. Uh, right. there, have, there have been some who've tried. Mm-hmm. After we, the I death mean, of... we could probably wrap up here talking about you know the modern era. Yeah. But Absolutely. I th- it's almost it's almost unchanged since 2002. There isn't there, there's slight changes, but yeah. there's been no real competition. In 2002, Jeff Jarrett uh, started a company with Toby Keith, the country singer. Oh yeah, called TNA. Mm-hmm. And that, total nonstop action. Total nonstop wrestling. action. Yeah, it's terrible. It was on TNN, I believe. Spike TV. Spike TV. Okay. Uh, well, now it isn't, but it yeah, was on Spike right. TV now for a very long time. Now it's the Paramount Network, I think, is what it very recently renamed itself as. Something. Yeah. It's it's it anyway. was not effective. No. They tried to start their own Monday Night Wars by changing their program to Mondays, and that we've come full circle here because yeah. that Monday was January fourth, two thousand ten. Yeah, that was the night that Bret Hart returned to the WWF for the first time. Oh in no! 13 it's years. fate. It's fate. Yeah, it was planned. It's all over. You you have to know that yeah. Vince and Triple H saw what was happening and decided yeah. move. Yeah, if we can bring him in, let's let's do something big. Yeah, and oh boy, did they. Yeah, mm-hmm. squash him while they're down. Yep. So uh, they they couldn't recover from that. the The only changes really in the modern era. Um, Raw became live. No, f- full time. stop. Yeah, full time. Full full three stop. Three hours of live wrestling. I did not actually fully become three hours until I want to say two thousand nine or ten. Oh no, it was two thousand ten mm-hmm. when they had the Donald Trump angle. <laughs> That's a real thing, guys. Where he bought Raw, he made it three hours, and then they had guest hosts, and it was. It was long. It's, it's a long thing to watch. Yeah. Uh, and then SmackDown was still taped. It kind of bounced around between Tuesday, yeah. or Thursdays and Fridays before yeah. becoming fully live in 2016. Mm. Uh, and then it, it is, airs live on Tuesdays, uh, but only two hours. Okay. Well, um, what does SmackDown? Airs yes. live on Tuesdays? Yep, okay. SmackDown. Airs yep. Tuesdays. Coming to Fox. Yes, yeah, that is. I mean, like that's down. the very end right there. Yeah, their recent deals, and I think the end of 2019 or some point mm-hmm. in 2019, SmackDown yep. will leave the USA Network and will be Going on Fox TV. No, back to national television again. That's right for the first time since Saturday Night's main event. It's going to be really interesting yeah. how they. I mean, uh, SmackDown kind of bounced around a couple. Yeah, SmackDown yeah. was on UPN. Spike TV. 
I believe. Uh, yep, UPN for a while. It was on Sci-Fi for a while. That's yeah. real. I mean, if you want to call UPN a national network, which <laughs> I don't know if you could. I don't think you can. Uh, I mean, there have been others. Ring of mm-hmm. Honor has a syndicated show mm-hmm. that comes on. In, uh, in Rochester, it came on at midnight on Saturdays. Yes. So, and these are the smaller independents, but that, that yeah. brings me to... Oh my gosh, there's... um uh, In Rochester, what would come on... This is a quick, quick aside. What would come on after Ring of Honor would be Pier 6 Wrestling out of Canandaigua. Oh my God. <laughs> and it, it would just be like, you know, these wrestlers... And uh, about 15 people watching yeah. in the stands, and it's, oh boy, it's something. But it would show up at 1 o'clock in the morning nice. on, uh, on WUHF and Rochester. I remember catching some local wrestling. I can't remember what it was, but it yeah. was when I was in high school. And I thought it was the coolest thing. And I said, i got to find these guys. I don't remember where they were or who uh, they are. Could have been uh, ESW. Who knows? Uh, at that point, it might have been. Yeah. The, I think it was like 2004 when it, when yeah. it kind of had its resurgence. Sure, I don't know. No, ESW is Empire State Wrestling. It's yeah, a local, it's, it's, it's local our promotion. it's our it's our local. Uh, it's been around for a while. Yeah, ESW's got some uh, heritage. But I want to finish here. Yeah, with with two big advents mm-hmm. uh, of change within professional wrestling. One of them is YouTube. Yep. Frankly, you can access any wrestling promotion in the United States because they want to be seen. So they're putting all of their matches and their promos past and present, past and present. They're yeah. putting it up on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, you you just got to find some promotion in your area. I bet you can find that. You can find Facebook pages. Yep. You can find Twitter accounts. The, the advent mm-hmm. of social media has changed the way that you spread your company around yeah to to be seen which by the way uh quick aside speaking of local wrestling promotions go to a local wrestling show oh my god it is a blast and a half because there's not the pressure that you put on it with like a wwe or something like that you're just going to have fun yep. and watch people beat the crap at each other and yell at them it's great it's amazing it. it's so much fun and I can't you can tell spend you. 50 bucks to yeah. sit in the nosebleed section of the key bank center in buffalo yeah. and Watch these guys from afar, or you can spend fifteen dollars support for your, front row. For, Fifteen dollars front row, or yeah. twelve if yeah. you just want general admission. Yeah, uh, to support your local promotion, see local guys that you can go up and talk to. Get some two dollar beers. beers. Yeah. yeah, do do the fifty fifty raffle. Some hot dogs. Yeah, hot man. dogs. They always yeah. have that stuff. Yeah, you know? it's, it's a blast. It's really really fun. If you really have the ability, it. look in your area. There's usually three or four wherever you are. Yeah, find it and go because yeah. it it will really be um, a great experience for anyone in your family yeah but anyway uh so yeah youtube definitely makes mm-hmm. a big difference uh, on that you could really just see wrestling from anywhere at any mm-hmm. time that's how i watched a lot of new japan yeah <laughs> uh that's how i saw uh, wrestle kingdom 10 uh what was it shinsuke nakamura versus aj styles that is considered one of the best matches oh my god what a match um so I, yeah there's that and then there's also one more thing i believe yep and that would be, of course, the WWE Network. The WWE Network. Yeah, WWE Network. Uh, yeah, that's a big, big deal. That's mm-hmm. just it's Netflix, but for wrestling. Right. The fans. the introduction of streaming services <laughs> yeah. like that with yeah. Hulu and Netflix and, and Amazon, have, and, and they have quite a library available as well. They really do. One of the advantages of acquiring WCW is you got a lot of Jim Crockett promotion stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Old NWA, old AWA. Yeah. You need some Georgia Championship. It's yeah. in there. If yeah. you go to the classic... The... You can watch some classic Ric Flair cage mm-hmm. matches. 
Um, Harley Race, Starcade '83, Jimmy Snuka, yeah, I mean, Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard, yeah. I mean, and they even recently bought up WCCW, the, the World Class Championship, which featured uh, you know the Von Erichs, Kerry Von Erich, and and all mm-hmm. of them. Um, but th- this is different. This, I mean, we yeah. even use this to prepare for this podcast, so we yeah. can watch some some wrestlers. I have the WWE Network. Yeah, it is. It's what ten dollars a month. Ten dollars nine ninety nine. If yeah. you watched. All of any raw between September 2013 and when it actually debuted, yeah, nine ninety nine. Wow, um, it it was really, it's really something just to yeah. be able to have that kind of content. And sometimes it seems like too much content, and it probably <laughs> is. Uh, but when I, if, I, I would I would get WWE Network if uh, if I had any chances to watch it because the thing is, is the only TVs we have in the house that are connected to the internet are the one in the living room, and. I can't imagine uh, my poor wife tolerating <laughs> 80s Texas wrestling for for very long, you know? <laughs> the, the bull rope matches. Oh, bull rope matches are the best. Everybody's got the color. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, fun story about Dusty Rhodes is, uh, so when we say getting color, it's when they, you know, they would cut their foreheads open with a hidden blade so that way it would bleed. You get a little entertainment value out of that. It's <laughs> violence. Um, but Dusty Rhodes did it so much that he could hold uh, nickels in his forehead <laughs> in the gaps mm-hmm. because he cut himself so much on his forehead. When you look at the old guys, Abdullah the Butcher, Carlos Colon. Oh, well, Abdullah the Butcher is a whole other story. You'll <laughs> see You'll see those divots in there. It, yeah, is, it is shocking. It's crazy. But yeah, I think that's where we end is with the WWE Network. Right. And it is, it's all there. You can it's, watch what It's you the want. future. Mm-hmm. It is the future. And there are other streaming services from other networks too. Yeah, um, for uh, other for other promotions, yeah, New, New Japan, Japan has um, ROH probably has one. I I couldn't tell you all honestly because yeah. the WWE Network is so much yeah, has so much has already. so much of the the value yeah. there and has so much yeah. classic and original content and. But yeah, uh, so if you've been listening all this time and you're not a wrestling fan, God bless you, <laughs> one because I know that's I, for some reason. Uh, people who aren't wrestling fans, when you bring up the topic of wrestling, they have a visceral, hateful reaction to it. Like, gross wrestling, ew. Why are you talking about that? Um, and I can understand why a little bit. It's um, it's it, it certainly feels and seems like a low-class entertainment <laughs> um, wrestling. It does a little bit. <laughs> but, uh, but really, I mean, if you've stuck out this far, check out a match. It's fun. Yeah, it's scripted, but so what? So is it your favorite TV show? Right, it's um, entertainment. It's entertainment, man, and that's it's what propelled it on it's television. People doing painful ballet for you mm-hmm. on a regular basis. It's a brutal soap opera. It's gorgeous for everyone. Um, yeah, but thanks again for listening, and thanks again to uh, Mr. Dan Liggett for showing up on this podcast. Yeah, no, yeah. I am happy to be here. I have enjoyed speaking about this. Oh so boy, I could the tell. next time, the next time that you have a wrestling <laughs> podcast, you know, yeah. get me on. Just whenever, man. Just right. Come on, we'll talk about stuff. Yeah, throw you, me you in. Wanna, you want to talk about? Uh, I don't know. You want to talk about uh, Game Boy? We'll talk about I Game had Boy. a Game Boy. Oh, let's talk about that. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, we'll do that. Um, but uh, thanks again for listening. Again, my name is Nate Lockhart. You can find me on Twitter at Nate underscore Lockhart. Uh, please check out the memory uh, memorymachinepod.com for updates, new episodes, all that jazz. You can also find that on Sound on the Geek versus SoundCloud and iTunes pages. Um, if you want to drop me a note, send it to memorymachinepod at yahoo.com. If you want for general comments, whatever, I might read it on the air. Who knows? And of it's course, all a you mystery. Know, 
uh, Twitter DMs are open. Slip into those DMs. Slip into those DMs, Slip I guess. Slip into those DMs. Um, and, you know, Geekoverse has a Patreon page, too, uh, which I've failed to mention the past few times. But please, if you have a couple extra bucks a month to spare, uh, helps keep the lights on. Hosting ain't free, folks. So please do that. Dan Liggett, do you have anything to plug? I have a couple things. Please. So, first of all, uh, personal... Twitter is LiggySmalls04. Mm-hmm. Yeah, feel free to follow me. I'm not very active, but as always, Kevin Owens is, and he <laughs> is brilliant, so definitely follow him. Okay. Uh, I'd also like to make note of both the Victory One Wrestling and the Nickel City Wrestling uh, Facebook pages. Mm-hmm. These are both promotions that I'm a referee for, mm-hmm. uh, and that I have worked with. Um, both are you know, really good wrestlers, really good content. Yeah. Um, and again, 12 Cyclone bucks. Cyclone Jones, he's best. Cyclone Jones. I love that guy. Have a blast, man. Come I, see Cyclone Jones. I, I heard he was a heel in the last uh, one. Drew, Drew told me he was he played the part of a heel. I was like, no, not Cyclone Jones. He's a hero to me. <laughs> Depends where he is. He's I, geographically uh, bipolar. Oh, boy. Oh, no. <laughs> but yeah, they, it's, again, Victory Dash One Wrestling and Nickel City Wrestling or NCW. Yeah. And you can find both of them on Facebook. Uh, just look it up. There you go. Well, thanks again for listening. Uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks with another hopefully wonderful podcast for you. So, yeah. Love you. Bye.